Good afternoon from Berea. I'm Jason Gibbs. He's Nick Shook to the left of me, to the far left of me. Andrew Gribble, we have reached the bye week. Really, we're 10 games in if you count the four preseason games. So the bye week right at the very middle of the 2019 season. Unfortunately, the preseason doesn't count. Regular season-wise, we are now 2-4 and four after a tough loss to the Seahawks yesterday, 32-28. to 28. If you would have told me at the start of the day you would turn the football over four times and you would get a punt blocked and yet still have numerous chances to win this one, I might have uh, had a sip of whatever you were drinking. Yeah. But yet, here we are, the Browns right in the thick of things and just falling short in one of those games that whatever hair I have left on my head, I continue to pull out. Shook, don't. Don't look for anything. Gribble, uh, a rough one yesterday at First Energy. Yeah, and you can argue they made as many self-destructive decisions and moments in the game as they did week one against the Titans, but the Titans blew you out in the second half and you you lose by 30. This one was a reflection of how well you started, going up 20-6, to playing nearly flawless offensive football for this team uh, and really putting yourself in a position to be up by two scores uh, at halftime, and, and that truly – as crazy as that second half got, the game swung in the in the first half, and it it, it went from a two a potentially two touchdown lead to a two point lead that could have easily been a tie had Seattle uh, converted on the two point conversion. So it's just it, it, a, a game can really be affected in the first half. There were so many opportunities in the second half. I don't think enough is being made of the fact that this team had the lead with nine minutes to go in the game, and that part of the game is not getting really focused on. That the Seahawks Jebels just drive down the field. Uh, but this is a team where everyone's going to focus on the offense and the quarterback, and there was still there was enough self destruction on offense to have lost you this game. Yeah, it feels like one of those games where you look in in the hours immediately after, and, and maybe for a couple of days we'll feel this way, especially since this, this is the bye week, so you don't get a chance to immediately get back on the horse and go after it again. It just feels like one of those games where you wasted a great opportunity because of the start that you had, because of the crisp week of practice that we heard about. That that was the first thing that Freddie mentioned after the loss was we had a great week of preparation. It was our best week of preparation this entire season, and they played like it. And so you think about, well, if you had all these things going in your in your favor and you jumped out to a 20-6 to 6 lead and everything, you're firing on all cylinders. And then, like Gribble said, you talk about that that last you know sequence there just before halftime where you're deep in their territory and you're looking to really really uh, score a definitive touchdown that might you know end up winning you the game. I mean you go into halftime up 15 against a good Seattle team and you're still rolling with all the momentum and you come out and continue that in the second half. You know you're looking at a big victory, but you let them back in the game which you know as we know it's all you got to do in football as, as the, the road team and as the trailing team is get one or two breaks, and all of a sudden you're right back in, and, and, and especially a team like Seattle that's veteran-laden, that's got the experience. Knows how to win on the road. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the last point Gribble made, which is that the Browns were still ahead by three points in the fourth quarter, but at that point I felt, you know, this is all ultimately what happened, but I felt that the defense had done so much to try to keep you in the game, even as they gave up touchdowns, they were kind of put in adverse situations, the turnovers and everything else not helping them out at all. Then once they took the field at that point, all I felt inside was, man, they've been on the field a lot today, and it's going to really take something special for them to keep them from going down and scoring. And unfortunately, they went down and scored. A rough day in general. There were some positives. We'll get to those as we go on. Uh, on the offensive side, let's start with with Baker Mayfield after the game. is saying, if we don't hurt ourselves, this team can go anywhere we want to. You're week six, you're still hurting yourselves with mental mistakes, with costly turnovers. Baker's got 11 interceptions in six games. Um, just 
at what point do you stop shooting yourself in the foot? And that's the part I think that is maddening is, and you know, the interceptions, they are what they are. The guy's trying to make plays and I won't, I won't criticize him for that. And at least clearly he's all about trying to make a play. And if the interceptions come, whatever, the man doesn't seem to care about numbers. He's trying to make plays for your football team, but you know, the fumble by Chubb and, you know, the drop by Hilliard and then the penalties at crucial times, they've got to get it cleaned up. And and I don't know how you clean up those type of things. Yeah, the the two numbers that are just the, the worst to both in this game and then you look back is that the Browns now have three interceptions in the red zone for the season, which is the worst in the league. Uh, and then this past game, you had four possessions where you entered Seahawks territory and came away with no points. I mean, sometimes you didn't get as far as the other ones, but – I mean, to get in their territory and then just come away with nothing. There was a lot of potential Austin Seibert field goals left off the field in this one. I mean, there was just ways to kind of pad this lead, even if it wasn't a touchdown that just turned into nothing for this team. And I, I think that's that's why they think there's so much potential because you watch what they did these first few drives. They know what they're capable of, and that's what makes these these moments so frustrating. I mean, even when things are going well, it just takes it takes something like Odell getting bumped off his route and, and throwing an easy interception. That's the second time that's happened this season on a play. The other time was with Jarvis Landry against the Ravens. It's just these things keep piling up, and it really seems like they're just at the worst possible the worst in, in the game. They, they've overcome a lot of these turnovers, and to get back with the defense, the defense was good seemingly after these turnovers. It was these traditional drives that the defense wasn't good. I mean, you look at all of the Seattle's – scoring drives they they had to go most the length of the field for most of these these scoring possessions I mean they had to settle for field goals on some of the turnovers but th- this was when that was when Seattle got cooking was when they had to go 75 80 yards yeah I mean and, and Russell Wilson did a great job of that I mean that's why he's an MVP candidate he, he did a great job of pacing this offense and you know as we we're all learning today and learning late last night that you know he even engineer a touchdown drive with a helmet that wasn't working you know he's just calling plays and a lot of them looked pretty similar yeah uh, and but it was working I mean this is a guy who has a mastery of this offense he's he's been to Super Bowls before I mean this is a top level opponent and the the positive side I think in, in this whole situation is you we're kind of going blow for blow with that caliber of a player. I mean, this is a good football team. They they overperformed, I think, last yeah. year, and I think they're playing up to their capabilities this year. They're five and one. Uh, they're in a great position now in a really tough division, and you went toe to toe with them for the majority of this game. So, I mean, I think this happens when you have a culture change, you have a coaching staff change, and you're not over the hump yet, but you're starting to get closer. This team has felt like it's flirted with getting over the hump, or it's like peeking up over the hill to see what's on the other side, and it just hasn't taken that next step to get to the top and really get things going. This felt like probably the closest we've seen them come, even more than the Ravens game. The Ravens game, obviously, you win by you know, 15 sure. points and you dominate the game, but it wasn't the same as going against a team like this where you had to overcome a lot of things. And... and yeah, they didn't come away with the win. They lost by four points, and they probably could have won if they had you know, capitalized on one of those opportunities. But again, we're only six games into this season. There's still an opportunity, I think, to turn things around, and I don't think turning it around is really that far. We're not doing a 180 here to get things going. It's, it's more like a 45. You know, It's a slight step or a slight turn one, in one direction or another. I think we're closer than people realize. And when you watch those games, you just see those little glimpses in between where you're like, N- almost there almost there, and you hope that it'll get going uh, pretty soon. Listen, the, the, the team on the other side of the field was the case for experience and continuity. 
mean, they've they could have easily. You look back at just one little move. They got ridiculed for how they how their offensive play calling happened in the playoffs uh, with Brian Schottenheimer. Sure, they are running the ball way too much, not letting yeah. Russell Wilson do that. They kept all the continuity in place, and look at how that offense is 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 humming now. I mean, that everything about this team they've they've changed. They've overhauled so many players on this team. They've the quarterback has just constantly gotten better and better. Each year, they've arguably gotten worse at wide receivers since last year. They lost Doug Baldwin, who was uh, one of the best receivers in that in that team's history. Uh, their offensive line was a mess yesterday, but yet they still find ways to win because it's a it's a cultural consistency. Everything about the Seahawks has been consistent uh, over the years, uh, and that's how they're able to win games like that. I, I heard a lot of John Clayton appearances in the lead up to this game this week, and he kept emphasizing the same thing about. The way Pete Carroll has established a culture there, and it's a culture of you know you you want to play football and play well, but you also want to have fun. He talks about how he's got an area where he plays one on one with with guys when they want to sit down and talk, and and they'll you know play to five or play to ten or whatever. I mean, it, he's always having some type of fun and making it light for those guys. So um, that's the type of thing that comes because you're comfortable in your position and you're confident in what you can do. And oh, by the way, you've been to a couple Super Bowls and can back it up. And obviously the Browns aren't there yet because this is Freddie Kitchen's first year. But hopefully, if he's got a long enough runway, he'll be able to establish something like that. If is the big question. Yeah. So uh, I mean, and that, only he can ever, determine that. Everyone really. talks about the Patriots being a goal as what you want your franchise to be. The Seahawks are pretty close. I mean, they've they've had some disappointing finishes. They've even had some down years in between uh, some of these great years. But they're always back in it. They're always a tough. No tough one has team had an overhaul like they have from right. the last Super Bowl. And again, to now. You just took that team for basically 60 minutes. You had yeah. it, you had the ball down four with an opportunity to go down there and, and take the lead. Did it pan out that way? No, but you had that opportunity and you had to overcome a lot to get there. So I'm telling you, it's not we're not things are not as dire as they might feel like they are in an emotional loss like yesterday. I think it just sucks because you've got to sit on it for the next two weeks. Yeah, that's the and that's it's, tough. It's the same feeling you had against the Rams. I mean, we talked about how good the Rams were at that moment. They're not very good right now, but. You just had so many opportunities to win that game, and it's like the feeling that you think of, like, what if you just won that game? How good would that feel? It would feel like you did when you beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Sure. And you want to have that feeling over and over again. And it just to it's it's one of those things where if you look at it, like like Nick was saying, you look at it, you, you hung with one of the best teams in the NFL, and you you, sh- you maybe should have won, but you really you were, you played pretty well to even be in that position. But it's more of the thought of, what could have been and yeah. Odell's references multiple times he said it's a good thing that you're now feeling sick about these kind of losses instead of being like well well the Browns did good enough to hang with them that's good enough I mean that's not good enough anymore when you yeah. have this kind of talent you've got to you've got to maximize some of these opportunities because there is going to be the inevitable stinker that you put out there like you did against the 49ers sure even as you look at this stretch down the schedule you look at uh, some of these games you've got lined up against some teams that aren't as good as the ones you've already faced there might be a stinker down there at some point that you lose lose a game you're supposed to win that's what makes these games you you want to steal so important yeah no no question Uh, so that's the offensive side were you surprised no Hollywood Higgins yesterday who was active for the first time slightly but I think coaching wise it made some sense because you know the Seahawks are one of those rare teams the NFL that stays in their base defense more than they go to nickel so I think if you're going to run against a third linebacker we think well maybe let me get my receiver out there and be a mismatch well Ricky Seals-Jones is basically a receiver in a tight end's body. And, and we saw how it paid off for him, especially early. I mean, a touchdown catch, he had another you know, catch earlier than that. I mean, I, it made sense, and especially the formations they're going with. You know, you want, you, if you're going to go trips to the right and you're going to have a tight end out there, uh, that type of personnel package, you're just going to flex him out. 
and he'll serve as your fourth receiver. I mean, it, it's it wasn't that big of a deal, but you do wonder, you know, when is Richard going to be able to be allowed the opportunity to get involved and and contribute to this football? Right. Listen, the snaps tell the tell the truth now. Ricky Seals Jones is your number one tight end. I mean, he played 47 oh, snaps yeah. uh, yesterday. When you lined up with two tights to start the game, it was Farrell Brown and Ricky Seals Jones. I mean, this is the guy that has the Njoku skill set that the other guys don't, and, and Farrell Brown's been a better blocker. So I think that's that's where you're at right now at that position. So I would only expect his role to continue to increase. I mean, he played 47 snaps yesterday. Uh, Njoku was usually in the 60s-plus territory. Maybe it gets there by the time you play New England. Yeah, three catches yesterday, 47 yards, including that 31-yard touchdown that looked pretty pretty darn spanky. He's somebody that you have to account for as a defense, and I think sure. that, that helps open things up for other guys. So, you know, I, I, it makes sense. On the defensive side of the football, there were they I thought they were better obviously than they were in the San Francisco game. Still gave up a ton of yards, but when you needed a stop, the defense seemed to rise to the occasion. After they got after the Browns offense got stopped at the 1-yard line. Uh that first possession of the second half I thought was huge because See, after what had happened with the interception, Seattle goes down the field, runs a two-minute offense, and they get the score before halftime. And then you got to play defense again to start the second half. There were moments the defense played better. You gave up some yards. You gave up some some big plays. You got to cut out the mistakes. But overall, I thought a better effort than we've seen. Uh, obviously, on the Monday night game. Yeah, a couple issues to point out. I thought, first off, I thought it was a little too easy for Seattle to run the ball. I, I, even this this was not San Francisco's attack, but they didn't hit you with the big plays that that the Forty ers did. But it was too many six gain, six yard gains, eight yard gains, Missed things tackles. like that, setting up a lot of second and shorts, third and uh, third and ones. That was, I think, and I think that's been an issue with the running game this season. I even thought it was an issue. You did pretty well against the Ravens, all things considered, uh, with their rushing attack. But even Mark Ingram had too many of those like six to eight yard games throughout the game, and really, you only forced them to stop running once you got that fumble. You got the fumble this game too, uh, but it didn't turn turn the game the way it did against the Ravens. Secondly, I thought this was maybe the first game where you missed your starting corners. I thought that DK Metcalf and, and Jaron Brown were, and Tyler Lockett were tough matchups uh, for this group, and and the way that Wilson extends plays, that's that's going to expose your corners a little bit more. Uh, and I thought that this might have been the first time you missed those guys a little bit. Uh, it looks like you'll get them back though for the Patriots. I thought that was most glaring in that final drive when Russell Wilson let them down and scored because you know when he gets outside the pocket and he, he gets mobile. We heard from the guys all week. He got a plaster nearest guy. He got a plaster to him and he switched to man. Well, your two best man corners were not playing and and. Each time that they completed a pass, it was usually by a receiver breaking off his route. Because what you're doing is that he's rolling out to the right, and the whole flow of the play is going that way. And then eventually they'd get to that last third of the field, and one of them would break back inside, and he was just a half step or a step ahead of his defender. And that's what allowed him to get open, complete the pass, keep the ball moving, and eventually get down to the one-yard line before they pounded it in. So I think um, if you have a Denzel Ward or a Greedy Williams, who, is, who are very good man corners, um, perhaps they would uh, have made a play there. It was amazing to watch because we'd heard all week when Russell starts to scramble, he doesn't like to run. No. But everything changes. And you could see it. Yeah. If you go back and look, everybody, everybody's route changes. Yeah. Everybody knows what to do when he goes to the X side of the field, whether it's the right side, right. whether he goes to the left side. Every, it's like there's two plays in one. They have another play if he decides to go a certain direction. Sheldon talked about it. Richardson talked about it because, you know, he spent a year there, and he said that they have periods in practice where they will practice that exact situation, where they will run plays and, and intentionally bail him out so that they can then have a second 
situation to work with. And, and I mean, it paid off for them there. Special teams-wise, uh, we actually we had some moments. The return game, the arrival of the, uh, the return game, and Dontrell Hilliard leading things off right from the get-go. Uh, some good things from special teams. Getting a punt blocked, first time that's happened this year, that was a, that was a little concern. Are you concerned at all with Seibert missing the PAT in a part of the stadium that got real windy yesterday? No, I'm not. And I thought that was a a byproduct of just that area of the stadium at that point of the game. It got better as the game went on, too. Uh, So I'm not too worried. He still hasn't missed a field goal yet this year. Uh, And I still – I don't think any of the play calling reflected this, but I don't think there's any kind of loss of confidence in in what he was able to do. So I thought, you know, you're going to have a pump blocked here and there. Hopefully it never doesn't happen again. It only cost you three points uh, on this occasion. So uh, a bullet dodge there. And then, uh, you know, his, his other punt, was fantastic uh, in this game. I mean, a 61 yarder really played the wind as, as well as possible. And then you were also on the 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 positive end of a terrible punt that set up your go ahead touchdown. I mean, and this guy that was one of the best punters in the league, uh, in Michael Dixon. So overall, a solid effort from your special teams. You don't like to see a punt blocked, but I think it makes up for the fact that you had a a 74 yard kick return, which is so hard to do uh, with the new rules of special teams. It's funny we were sitting in the press box early in the game, and me and Gribbler were talking about what we were watching in warmups. And he said, "Yeah, I watched Dixon send one off the side of his foot for like five yards." So I'm thinking he's one of the best punters in the league. And then the fact that he goes down it was there the and exact ends up, same punt. Yeah. He did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I, I when I saw it happen, I was like, "That wasn't good." Like this guy's supposed to be incredible, uh, and he was like one of the best in the league last wow. year with his directional kicks. But he had one that was terrible in warmups and. The, that one wasn't much better, especially considering the circumstance. I think I almost think he was thrown off because it looked like their unit was thrown off by the fact that the Browns went full block. Yeah, because they were making a lot of adjustments. They did uh, before the snap, and I I wonder if that threw him off or something. But they didn't even bring that much heat. I don't even think they came close to blocking it. But it was it was to the Browns' benefit, and it really, as much as people are just hand wringing the whole situation over the the Jarvis Landry touchdown that should have been, it was completely irrelevant. When it came down, you got the ball right back and you scored in two plays. Yeah. So it, you overcame that bit of adversity. It was just the other parts of the game you just did not overcome. It. Yeah, luckily that was erased. But, um, you know, friend of the pod, Phil Dawson, always watches Browns games and, and is active on Twitter during Browns games. So uh, he saw that first miss uh, kick on the part of uh, uh, of Jason Myers, the yeah. kicker for the Seahawks. Another good kick. And he said, hey, you know, once you get down there, because somebody sent him a picture of the flag from the broadcast, the corner flag, you know, in the southwest corner of the stadium that he had put in to, to gauge the wind. And he said, oh, that's a stiff 90. Winds are probably about 22, 23 miles an hour. He showed his whole equation, everything that he talked about uh, when he was on the podcast. And uh, and he said, yeah, you got to aim left there. I mean, it's, it's just it's going to be really tough to kick down there. It's a nightmare, especially in that end of the stadium when it's very windy like that. So, no, I can't blame Austin for that at all. And he recovered nicely later to make another extra point. So, tough kicking day. Uh, it affected both of them, obviously. But, yeah, strange it was a strange game and kind of a strange special teams game because we haven't seen much out of the return game until Sunday. And and I don't know if any of us really expected Dontrell Hilliard to rip one off to start the game. Uh, Mike Prefers talked about how they've really wanted to spark sure. them so far. Uh, so it was nice to see that. But, yeah, just kind of a, it just fit with the, the whole strange nature of the entire game. I want to go back to the defense real quick. Where are the turnovers? Got one yesterday. Got a fumble recovery. But the inter- – I mean – Demarius Randall has more sacks than he does interceptions. Yeah. And, I mean, maybe is that a product of your two best corners being out? Um, something to that effect. But 
there there is a marked difference this year. And I know that, you know, last year Greg Williams, last two years, Greg Williams prided himself on turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Well, the first year Greg Williams, there was There was no, no turnovers. turnovers. Yeah. They <laughs> were just playing 30 yards back. Yeah. But you take a look, and there just doesn't seem to be as many, obviously. And I don't know why that is. I, I don't, is that a product of the injuries? I, I just it, It's one of those things that just kind of – you scratch your head and you go, we really could use a few more of these. I mean, I think it's a combination of a few things. I think not having Greedy and Denzel affects that. I also think that you've played a pretty good selection of quarterbacks. The so last far. two, especially, are. I mean, Jimmy G is a, is is really kind of he's he's gotten to the the he's getting the dubious game manager tag on him because he's thirteen and two, which is fantastic. But he's not having to do anything spectacular, and Russell Wilson doesn't have a pick all season, so it's hard to fault him too much. In that the weeks three and four is when you got a bunch of them and it kept you in the game and, yeah. and won you a game in, in Baltimore. So hopefully it's one of these things where they come in bunches. And truly last year you got almost all your turnovers in the first half of the season when you weren't playing very well in offense. The second half of the season you weren't weren't producing nearly the same level. So I don't know if it's sometimes these things are fluky, sometimes these things are weird. The problem is is your margin is terrible. And that's yeah. because of all the turnovers yeah. you have on offense. Yeah, and that's how you lose football games. But I do can you know kind of want to emphasize again that I, I think that this schedule, when we look back and when it's all said and done, we're going to realize how tough this these first six weeks and really the first eight weeks of the season because New England's coming up and they're yep. obviously undefeated, uh, have been for this team and, and how they were kind of up against it early. But it's not going to be entirely true for the entire season. So, you know, a lot of the hand-wringing, we think about, you know, why aren't they performing up to the standard or whatever. I think they're playing some really good opponents so far. Yeah. I mean, that's we all looked at it at the start of the year and said, this is kind of a gauntlet. Uh, and it has lived up to every yeah. week I think it's being their gauntlet. I think it's been even tougher than we imagined. Yeah, no question about it. All right, so the guys are in the building today, briefly watching film, getting treatment. Tomorrow they'll be practicing. Wednesday it'll be a practice. And then it looks like we will be dismissed for the week in terms of uh, the players getting a few extra days of rest. And, and we got some guys that are dinged up, uh, but – you know, the, the rest should help here a little bit and get everybody back and get everybody healthy and go in with a full roster, hopefully, to New England here in two weeks. Yeah, you you almost wonder, how much does Baker Mayfield do this week? Because yeah. he played through some pain yesterday. I haven't talked about that much yet, but he, he definitely, that's as most pain as he's had to play through in his, in his NFL career so far. So you wonder, I mean, if an injury is serious enough to send you to the locker room, that's a serious injury. So... Uh, we'll see what he's able to do, but I, I wouldn't expect him to miss any time, but this is going to be something that might be bothering take, him for a little just bit. Just take a few days off. Right. Yeah, be a part, be a visible participant. <laughs> yeah, you got a practice squad quarterback now, so you can keep things moving. Yeah, exactly. Plenty of snaps to go around for three other quarterbacks, yeah. or two other quarterbacks, I should say. Uh, any f- other final thoughts before we before we close the, ch- the, close the book on the first six games of the season? Uh and get ready for our BPA State of the Browns coming later this week. A lot of football left. This team should have a better record than it does. Two and four is not where you want it to be, not where you should be. The one encouraging thing you can take away from this is that the Baltimore Ravens have won four games. You're two games back of them. They have played the Dolphins. They beat the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Cardinals. You still have all teams that you, you still have, have to play. You have a combined six games left against those four teams, plus one more against the Ravens. This season can turn. Uh, it has. There's a team. There's a couple teams per year who have a record similar to this, 
and then go on a run and find themselves in the playoffs. Hope is not lost, but you've got to turn it around quickly. I believe it was the Giants in, what, 2007 or eight, the one that upset the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, the undefeated Patriots, that went on a similar run to close the season. So, Texans and Colts last year. I'm feeling better listening to these two because I was a little angry today. I I might still be a little angry. No, it's tough. I mean, the the way that they lost yesterday was was tough because you saw how close you were, but I think you should be encouraged by that. And I think you should be encouraged by the way the schedule lines up in the second half. But like you said before the tape, we taped. I mean, this schedule is not as easy as we thought it was. I mean, a couple teams are getting better. The Steelers and Broncos are both getting better, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, which is maybe – if you're looking at where this team struggled, it's against the really good defenses, uh, and those are two defenses playing very well right now. So what you hope is, as those teams have improved, this team also improves and right. uses the bye week to do that. All right, came out like gangbusters last year after the bye week. This is true. So this is try true. to do that again. And, and there were moments yesterday that reminded you of that Kansas City game where the offense was clicking, and they just didn't have enough defensively to slow down the Kansas City machine going. Yeah. In, you know, before Atlanta. But then you had the big win against Atlanta going into the bye, and it gave you momentum. There's a, there are some similarities when you take a look at last year and this year in the way this is, this is rolling. Let's hope it continues on the upward trend, though. Uh, you can log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today to the best podcast available. Rate us. Give us your feedback. We encourage it. Coming up later this week, it is our state of the team BPA. Uh, we'll have a few position coaches join the program, and we will get you ready for a long extended weekend heading into then the second half of the season for us. Ten games to go. So a lot of football left. It'll start with the 6-0 and New England Patriots. For Andrew Gribble, for Nick Shook, I'm Jason Gibbs. This has been the best podcast available.